one of our core values here is get a passport. And one of the reasons we say that is you never know when God's going to call you to the mission field. And uh, so many times we think about the mission field being somewhere else, elsewhere outside the United States. But God has been moving the mission field even here to our next door neighbors. And so this morning we have the opportunity, unique opportunity to hear Reverend Stephen Atkinson from uh, Northern Ireland and uh, by way of Arkansas. And uh, but he's here today and he's going to be sharing with us our opportunity to be open to sharing the gospel with our neighbors. Thank Steve. you. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, my accent is changing. Apologies. I've still got a bit of it, but I'm uh, you get like the people that you're among. So uh, if you don't if you hear the, the, the northern Irish accent coming through, praise God. But if you don't, then don't tell my friends because they'll give me a hard time. Yeah, but I've lived here probably, well, I've lived here almost nine years. Um, I have, I came here uh, on a religious worker's visa. I then got a green card. And then if you're five years on a green card, be good boys and girls, don't break the law, and you get the opportunity to become a citizen. And uh, so 18 months ago, uh, we became citizens. Uh, So, yeah, as I was saying to the early service, yeah, your problems are not my problems, my fellow Americans. And uh, it is just a joy because I've had a lot of connection with Texas. My daughter moved over here in 2004, um, went uh, to Texas A&M. Whoop. Yeah. And uh, she's an Aggie, married an Aggie, and she's got three little Aggies. Uh, number four is due in May. <laughs> so uh, my, my quiver is indeed getting pretty full. I have four kids and 11 now, one in the womb grandkids. And uh, I'm, it's just a joy. Yes, I live in Arkansas. I live in northwest Arkansas, just five minutes from Walmart world. And um, we would love to have a Kroger. But yeah, I love my Walmart friends. Um, but we've got Walmart, neighborhood Walmart, supersized Walmart, Sam's Club. That's our choice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a joy to uh, Living in Arkansas, it's, it's very, very pleasant. I travel all over the country. I'm actually literally driving home this evening by midnight, hopefully, and then hitting the road Tuesday lunchtime to Dayton, Ohio, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Kentucky for the following week ministry. So, and all by car. Please pray for me on the roads. Um, I, I travel 30, 40,000 miles a year by car simply to stir the church about this particular subject that is really very dear uh, to my heart. And um, I'm just checking because first service, I didn't have a clicker. I'm a control freak. I want the clicker. So I have a clicker. And so hopefully, uh, yeah, okay, well, I think it is the first one, isn't it? Yes, it is. Good. Um, what I want to do this morning is to open up the scriptures just for a little while, maybe 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes or so. And then move from the scriptures into um, what we do in Christian Witness to Israel. Christian Witness to Israel is a worldwide uh, mission organization. Actually, the international branches have recently changed their name to the International Mission to Jewish People. We in North America branch have kept the name uh, that we previously had. Uh, So we're still Christian Witness to Israel doesn't really make much difference to you. I just want to explain that we are a worldwide ministry that began in 1842 out of the burden, really, of the Scottish Presbyterians. 
um, but also the English Baptist Spurgeon got involved. He preached for this ministry back in his day. Uh, and it's simply a desire from the Gentile church to pay back, to bring back the message that the Jewish people brought to us, namely about a Jewish guy called Yeshua, Jesus, and Christian witness to Israel is simply that. It is a Christian, a messianic, because that's what Christ means, it means Messiah, Christos in Greek, Mashiach in Hebrew. It is a message of the Messiah, that witness of the Messiah to Israel, not the land, because as we will see in a moment, we can't save a piece of dirt. Salvation is about a people, and Christian witness is about a people. And I am just thrilled that actually, and I've just met my dear friend Ehud. I didn't know that. This, this is a God thing, that, that uh, I'm here, and we were chatting over coffee and talking about Isaiah 53 and talking about Jeremiah 31 talking about Pesach, talking about Passover, and the significance of that. And so you have in your midst what we are about, and I'm thrilled for you. And so I hope that as we talk through some of these things from the Scriptures and then from the slides, uh, the uh, more visual slides as they proceed, that you will be burdened to be praying for our dear friend and, and many, many others that they may see their Messiah and know their Moshiach, Yeshua HaMoshiach. I want to turn to Romans 11, as you see on the screen, but I actually want to just turn back the pages a little bit. It's not up on the screen, but Romans 9 and Romans 10, just a verse or so from that. And we're reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. But again, let's please remember that this is the letter of Shaul, who is a Jewish lawyer who came to faith in his Moshiach, Jesus. And he longed for his other brethren to know their Messiah. And so when we read Romans, don't read it as a Gentile book. It is thoroughly Jewish. And it's talking to us about the Jewish fulfillment in Jesus. We love the book of Romans. We love because it's all talking about the gospel and we love all the thrills and, 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 and enjoyment of, of the gospel truths that we find. And particularly so when you come to the end of Romans 8 and you read about nothing will separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And I really, and I know we didn't have chapters when the, when the apostle was writing these things down, but I think he put his pen down at this point. Because he's just thrilled with gospel realities and truth. And he says, I, 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 nothing, nothing is going to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. But what about my people? What about my Jewish brothers who don't know this Moshiach, who don't know this Messiah? 
And so he says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. I could wish myself cursed. This Jewish guy wishes to cut himself off. And we know what that means for the Jewish people. He wishes him to be cut off that his brethren after the flesh would gain heaven. They are Israelites. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belong the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all. For a Jewish man... To say he loves his people, that's a normal thing. To remind his own people and indeed remind the Gentiles of the, the privileges of ethnic Jewishness. The Shekinah, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the promises. And according to the flesh from them is Mashiach, is the Christ who is God. Wow, that is heresy to the Jewish people, to Judaism, that this Jewish lawyer should say that Mashiach is God. That's a big deal. But it was not something that the Gentiles made up. It's something that this Jewish guy said. Because he saw the fulfillment in Jesus of all the promises and prophecies of Isaiah 53. And we were talking about this over coffee. The promises of Jeremiah 31 about a new covenant with the house of Israel. And he saw the fulfillment in Yeshua HaMashiach, in Jesus the Messiah. And when he loved and was thrilled with the uh, the, the, the gospel realities and realize, but my people, most of them don't know Jesus. And he is great sorrow. And so his longing in chapter 10, verse 1, is that they may be saved. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. You know, when we want to bless Israel, when we want to stand with Israel, when we want to support Israel, we want to be pro-Israel, we want to have all of these things. Can I, can I just let you in a secret? Here, here's what it is. That they may be saved. And, and any other stuff is a distraction. If you spend your time and money on, on buying the latest bestseller book that's going to give you the secret into Ezekiel and Daniel and help you to know the final end time uh, timeline and, and, and you're going to understand all about blood moons and all this, forget it. This is what matters. That ethnic Israel might be saved. And that is in Jesus. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And, and another Jewish guy said that. His name was Shimon. Peter and Paul. What would Peter preach on the day of Pentecost on Shavuot? He preached about Yeshua. Christianity is not a Gentile religion. It is Jewish to the core. 
But it's just the, the rest of the story. And that's what we want to bring forward as we declare this truth to our Jewish friends. And so we come to the verse right up on the screen, and I need to make some greater progress. But these are, these are important realities in the Scriptures. When we get the Scriptures right, when we get um, the, the, the Bible right, then the mission becomes right. If you get your Bible wrong, your mission will be all over the map. So, so let's get the Bible right first. So Romans 11, 11 talks about the Jewish stumbling. Now, again, if you know your Jewish history, they're stumbling all the time. Did we do any better? No, we didn't. Don't, don't get on your high horse about how the Gentiles are so wonderful and the Jews have always stumbled. No, we're all stumbling. But did they stumble in order that they might fall, says the text? Or, again, the, the Greek has the sense of being falling um, completely. Did they stumble so that they, they just this might be over? Okay, we're done. God says, you, you know, we're do- I'm done with you guys. I'm not going to go to the Gentiles. No, no, by no means. Rather, through their trespass of missing the Messiah, largely, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And we are sitting here 2,000 years on as the fruit of that. By their trespass. That is an amazing thought. That we got it because they missed. Now, if their trespass means riches... Christ's riches have come to us. If their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? What does that mean? Well, it means God's not finished with the Jewish people. Their rejection or their trespass or their fall is not final. In fact, in Romans 11, it talks about their hardening being partial. Again, read for your homework this afternoon. Romans 9, 10, and 11. Start to learn about Jewish mission. Romans 9, 10, and 11. It talks about their partial hardening. That doesn't mean that it's over. It means that there is a partial blindness to who this guy Yeshua is. But how much more will their full inclusion mean? So there's more to the story. If their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, if largely in the first century there were only a handful of Jewish people who believed in Jesus, the first apostles and missionaries, most of the Israel rejected the Messiah, and only a little handful, but there's always been a remnant. You read your Bible, it's always a Jewish remnant. So there was a little remnant. But their rejection largely has meant our reconciliation. We got it. They missed it. We got it. It's not the end of the story. What will their acceptance mean? But life from the dead. And that brings back to my mind, and I'm sure it was with the apostle also, to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel is told to preach to the bones and pray for the Ruach HaKodesh. Pray for the Spirit of God to come and breathe upon the bones. And there will be a resurrection. What does that mean? Well, it's new birth. It's being born again. And it's what Jesus spoke of to the Jewish ruler, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, do I have to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And, and what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said to this Jewish leader, Nicodemus, 
Nicodemus, you, you, you're a ruler. Do you not know these things? Well, go read your Bible, Nicodemus, your Hebrew Bible, and you'll discover that there was to be a sprinkling of Ezekiel 36, and that there would be an outpouring of the Spirit. And so you have in Shavuot the outpouring of the Spirit. And the putting of the law inside the heart, not the external deeds. But Jeremiah promised that also. That God would put the law into the heart and move the person to follow after. And so there would be a resurrection. There would be a new birth, not of externals, but of internals. That's, that's the Jewish gospel. That we've had all along, but that most Jewish people missed. And their acceptance will be life from the dead. And so today we need to say, as regard the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Now that is a stunning statement. Because it means that in God's timeline and his purposes and planning with all of humanity from Adam, from Genesis to Revelation... In his perfect wisdom, their rejection meant that we got it. And they are currently enemies of the gospel. You ask any, most Jewish people today, and particularly the Orthodox, and they will, if you talk about Yeshua, they instead will use the term Yeshu, which is an acronym for may his name and his memory be erased forever. In other words, they will spit and Jesus, may his name and his memory be erased forever. That's the men in black. That's the ultra-Orthodox. They are enemies of the gospel. There's no back door into heaven for Jewish people. Please I'm sorry, but there's a certain San Antonio preacher that thinks there is. There's not. Good. Take that up with this guy. Take that up with the with Shaol, Mr. San Antonio preacher. Because I think Mr. Shaol will have something to say to you about that. I think Yeshua himself might have something to say to you about that. But they are enemies on, of the gospel. But God hasn't finished with them. They are loved on account of the patriarchs. That's why we love Ehud. I love you, sir. That's why we love our Jewish neighbors and friends. They are loved on account of the patriarchs. Because from the patriarchs, we, Goyim, unclean, heard about Israel's God and Israel's Messiah. They are loved on account of the forefathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, they can't be taken back. When God promises something, he promises something. I was talking to the young kids a little after the service, and and I said, you know, one of the most difficult things of the world that you're growing up in is to trust. We don't trust the government. We don't trust the doctors. We don't trust the statistics. We don't trust. We don't trust got to trust something, someone. And I said, well, then trust the Lord and trust the word. Because the Lord's word is true 
and his promises are true. And what I want to say is that his promises to the Jewish people, he's not done with them. He promises in Romans 11, read it for your homework today, to graft in again the natural branches. We're the goyim stuck on branches. Branches have been broken off that we might be grafted in, so says Shaol in Romans 11. Some of the Jewish people were cut off so that we could be grafted in, but God is able to graft in again the natural branches because the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you at one time were disobedient to God and now receive mercy because of their disobedience. In other words, let's let's get the logic of that. We got it because they messed up. We got it because of Jewish disobedience, not because we were wonderful, but because God in his grace and mercy poured out his spirit upon us as the, upon the Goyim as well. Yes. But we were at one time disobedient, but we received mercy because of their disobedience. And so they, too, have become disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to us, they also may receive mercy. In other words, it's payback time. It's time for us to love on the Jewish people and love them with this. The gospel of the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, that they may obtain the mercy. Our witness to the Jewish people has been around since 1842. As I say, we've been telling Jewish people about the Jewish guy, Jesus. And our mission statement, again, it's that's our 501c3 statement. But we are basically doing two things. One is to bring the gospel to Jewish people. And two, we are challenging and assisting the church to bring the gospel to Jewish people also. So it's that twofold ministry of frontline telling Jewish people about Jesus and also stirring the church to be the church in the USA. Very brief history lesson, and I'll reference even uh, something that I'm, uh, that I'm currently doing, and that is a course that I'm running online. Just go to YouTube. We'll reference it in a moment, but we've got Bible history and present day wisdom on that course. But let me give you a a, a two minute brief, brief history lesson. 1492 was a year that changed the world. Two things happened in 1492. One was expulsion and one was expansion. First of all, in 1492, King Ferdinand and Isabella expelled all the Jewish people from Spain and Portugal. Because the Roman Catholic Church believed itself to be the replacement of Israel. We don't need Israel anymore. We are the replacement. So get kicked out all the Jewish people. And that's what was happening all over Europe. In fact, they had already been kicked out of Britain by that time. 1492, a very important year because they were kicked out of Spain. But later in 1492, another thing happened. And that's the voyages of Christopher Columbus. And Christopher Columbus sent forth. He may have been Jewish. There's actually good. Scientific reason to suggest that he may have been Jewish. But he certainly had Hebrews on his ship. Folks who could speak Aramaic and Hebrew. Because he thought he would meet the lost tribes on his voyages. The Native Americans. 
1492, there is the expulsion and then there is the expanding world. And so what happens is that in the 1500s, 1600s, you continue to have that expansion and you have the Jewish people finding a safe haven in the new world. And particularly so, and again, we need to run a parallel history, but the time of the Reformation was taking place in the 1500s. And there was another expulsion and expansion, and it was a certain monk by the name of Martin Luther, and he was expelled, but it expanded the church. But at the same time, these parallel histories were happening, and countries were embracing Reformation truths. They were embracing the gospel, the biblical gospel. And countries like Holland then became a safe haven for the Jewish people. Wonder of wonders. Because the, the Reformed churches were reading their Bibles again and starting to realize that, that we love our Jewish friends. We're not kicking them out of every country in Europe. And so Holland was a safe haven. So also in the New World, Brazil, providentially, was run by Holland. First synagogue in the New World was built in Recife, Brazil. So Holland... And Dutch-owned Brazil is taking care of a small little Jewish community until 1654. It's the year that changed the world for the Americas. What happened in 1654 was that Holland no longer ran Brazil because the Portuguese took over. So the Portuguese took over Brazil. What happens to the Jewish community? Get out of Dodge. They had three choices, leave, be converted, or die. And so again, a ton of them left and made their way back to Amsterdam, except for one ship, the St. Catherine. Twenty-three Jewish souls were on this ship, St. Catherine, left port in 1654, and they got pirated in the Spanish islands. Spanish islands, Catholic they took over the ship until the Dutch and Dutch money said, let my people go. And the ship sailed on, but not to Amsterdam. Limping up the coastline came up the Hudson at New Amsterdam. Ten years later, New Amsterdam became New York. And 23 Jewish souls became the beginning of the six million Jewish people that are here in the United States today. Don't, don't tell me that was an accident. God's providential ways of protecting his ancient people and guiding them and steering them and watching over them are stunning. So, church, they're here. The Jewish community is here all over the United States. In fact, 42% of the world's Jewish community and world's Jewish population are here. And this is our mission field. It's not over there. It's not in a faraway land. It's right in our midst. Praise God. So, a little of what we do in Christian Witness to Israel I have my colleague who's a Jewish believer in Jesus. He's up in Pittsburgh. He's a Brooklyn Jew born anew, as I often term him. 
He's a Brooklyn Jew, and he's got the Brooklyn accent that can say coffee the way he's just supposed to say coffee. You know, so he's got the accent that can get him into the, the, the Jewish areas where my accent may not get me in. But he's there on the streets of Pittsburgh. Squirrel Hill, Pittsburgh is home to the half, half of Pittsburgh's Jewish community. And so he's there on the street corner. He asks one question of all the passers-by, asks him to write it on a post-it note. What brings shalom? What brings peace in the world? And you'll get lots of different answers. Get rid of the government. Free this. Free that. Get rid of Trump. Yeah, he, he has all kinds of answers written up on the, the notice board, on the little shalom board. But it gives him an opportunity to tell what brought peace to his heart. Forty years ago, when a Gentile told this Jewish guy from Brooklyn about Jesus... You know, sometimes we think, uh, and, and Mitch is Jewish, and he can talk to his own Jewish people, but sometimes we think, well, wouldn't it be great if we had a lot more Jewish people who could tell their Jewish friends about Jesus? But in actual fact, most Jewish people come to faith in Jesus because of a Gentile. So get to it, church. We're sowing a good seed about their Messiah, Jesus. We're on that corner of Squirrel Hill. We're actually only a couple of miles away from the Reformed Presbyterian Seminary where I preach once a year. I go and I give lectures on Jewish mission once a year. I will be going up there actually next Friday. Please pray for me. And Mitch and I will be, God willing, on the streets of Squirrel Hill on Friday afternoon. Please pray for that as well. So we're there on the streets telling Jewish people about Jesus. You know, sometimes people say to me also, do you travel a lot? Do you go to Israel a lot? And I said, no, I haven't been there in 40 years. I actually was on a school trip in 1979 through Scripture Union, and uh, I met my future bride there. And we were both 18, uh, not 18, coming 19, and uh, we were engaged at 19 and married at 21. We were so much more mature in those days, I know. But... 39 years of marriage this summer, praise God, with four kids and 11 grandkids. But I haven't been to Israel in 40 years. That was the last, 1979, I was there. And, uh, but then I say, you know, I haven't been to Israel, but I have been to Delray Beach, Florida. <laughs> so I have met, I, I, this is the last night of Hanukkah. <laughs> the last night of Hanukkah. And I'm in the Jewish deli. In Delray Beach, the food is delicious. It's amazing. <laughs> and I had all the delicacies. And uh, I'm surrounded by Brooklyn accents, and I think I'm the only goyim in the room. I think I'm the only goy there. Um, and this gentleman is Mitch's dad. Will you pray for him? Mitch's dad, Morris, is 96. He's a 96-year-old Jewish atheist. He believes that he is worm fodder. What would Paul say? I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I, I, they are Israelites. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises, the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, is the Mashiach, who is God over all. I spoke with this elderly gentleman, Mitch's dad, and I said... I want to thank you because from you the greatest gift to me and my family has ever come. They are loved 
on account of the patriarchs. We love Israel because salvation is of the Jews. And salvation is of the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. But this is the mission field. A couple of points. You can quote me on these. They're not astounding quotes, but I do... I do take credit for them. Sometimes I don't have an original thought out of my head, but but these are mine. (laughs) After 15 years of ministering in various parts of the U.S., I'm convinced that the greatest hindrance is confusion. We're looking for the red heifer. We're looking at blood moons, and we're trying to get them all back to the land and build the temple and start the sacrifice and do a ton of, of, of silly stuff, and we miss the one thing. It's confusion all over. And we fail to do what we need to do, and that is bring the gospel to Jewish people. I'm convinced that that's the hindrance, but I'm also convinced that the greatest resource is the Christian church. Because never before in church history, it's been a providence of 1654 or 1492. It's been God working all things. It's been a providence that now we have six million Jewish people and what, maybe 30 million evangelicals? I don't know. Depends how conservative your numbers are. But never before in church history has there been as as large a Christian community living side by side with a, a Jewish community who don't know their Messiah. This is a divine providence. To whom much is given, much will be required. We have an opportunity in the U.S. unlike any other nation. I have my colleagues across the world in Paris, in Amsterdam, in London, in Glasgow, in Bondi Beach, Australia, where the Jewish people live. I have my colleagues all across the world, and please read of them in our magazine. And the table is in where the coffee is, so please take all the literature that's there in the other room and learn about our work all around the world. But we have here in the U.S. opportunities like no other, and we have a mandate Unlike any other theology, theology drives missiology. In other words, what the Bible says will drive what you should be doing. And therefore, we, as we believe these verses in Romans 9 through 11, we should be doing what we should be doing pertaining to the mission field as you see it. Just skip one back. We need more manpower and we need more frontline missionaries. But I I would ask you to pray for wisdom on that. We have made some wrong choices. I, I confess that we have had wrong hires. Um, So we want to recruit the best and avoid the rest. But if God doesn't provide us with the right person or even the necessary funding, the substantial purse, then what? Well, I want to suggest this. And I I, kind of, a little light uh, humor in that. I don't know if you watch British television, but there's a lot of different sitcoms on British television. I'm not sure if this one is on it, but... The British sitcom, this was one that I grew up with, called Dad's Army. And it was simply a a humorous situation where these 60, 70-year-olds were all trying to learn to use a gun and and hold back Hitler. (laughs) Because the frontline soldiers, they were out there. The frontline workers, they were right out there holding back Hitler. But but the home guard, and it was a true story in the sense that one and a half million volunteers were not really that already, but they were kind of learning to hold a gun. Of course, nobody over there knows how to hold a gun. You guys, I know you guys know everything. About, no, I'm not going to go there. But this was Dad's army. This was the home guard. And what I want to suggest is that we create a home guard. Because I'm never going to have enough missionaries for six million. 
but the church should be the church. And that's why I want to grow in understanding. Um, we have, and again, in our mission statement, we're telling Jewish people about Jesus, but we're also challenging and assisting the church. And here's how we assist the church. Awakening the conscience. This is a 20-paper course throughout the year 2021, two a month, which is going up on YouTube, and we're sending it forth in PDF format as well. If you're interested, just at least take the brochure and think about how you can learn intentionally about how biblically, historically, and present context you can learn how to bring the gospel to Jewish people. Take the brochure anyway and pray over it. And you can look us up on YouTube or you can go to our website, cwina.org, cwina.org. And hopefully we can awaken the conscience. I go back to the verse really where I began that by the mercy shown to you that they may receive mercy. We have got what the Jewish people missed, the Jewish Messiah. And we Goyim shouldn't have got it. We're, we're, the, we're the unclean peoples of the world. We were scattered at Babel. When the Tower of Babel, we tried to reach God and, and, and he just said, get out of here. Just as Adam was expelled from the garden, just as the, the, all the nations were, were expelled at Babel and giving babbling tongues. And we're just the Goyim, but we, we got the Jewish Messiah. And now it's time for us to bring it back to those that brought it to us, namely Shaol and Shimon and Matiyahu and Yohanan. Of course, we know them as Matthew and John and James. Oh, that sounds really English. He's actually Yaakov. You know, we, we, we call him James, but his Hebrew name is Yaakov. We need to realize this is the Jewish book, front to back. And if we Gentiles have got something, we need to bring it back to those that brought it to us. How are they going to hear How shall they hear unless someone preaches to them? How shall they hear unless we tell them about Jesus? This is our mission. This is your mission. This is your Christian witness to Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the gospel as it has been passed down to us even from the garden. And then through all of Jewish history, even as the patriarchs would look forward and the prophets would look forward to one who would come, who would be the sacrifice, the sacrifice for sins. The blood of bulls and goats was never enough, but the Son of God, Yeshua HaMashiach, the God-man, His blood is sufficient. And so we pray that this gospel would be told in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even unto the ends of the earth, like Texas. Help us, Lord, in our ministry to return the privilege and pay back with the gospel of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.